Why do people become CEOs? How do they really spend their time? And if you're not one already, how might you become a CEO? My name's Matt Crabtree. I'm the founder of a management consulting company called Positive Momentum. And in this series of podcasts, we're going to be asking CEOs from a range of industries tough questions about their past, present, and of course their view on the future. We'll learn who influenced them most, what they defend in their schedule at all costs, and the big changes they see coming up on their horizon. For this episode, I'm delighted to introduce one of my colleagues in Positive Momentum, Sarah Beauvalet, as the guest host. This is Meet the CEO. Our guest today is Amanda Davies, CEO of Pobble since 2004. Pobble is one of the largest housing and care providers in Wales, housing, caring and supporting over 30,000 people. Having had the great honour of working with Pobble over the years, I can personally vouch for the fact that Pobble is an organisation firmly committed to its mission, which is to make a difference to people's lives. Amanda, welcome to Meet the CEO. Thank you, Sarah. It's great to be here. So I understand that Pobble means um, people in Welsh. Is that right? Yes, you're right. It does. Um, We formed our group five years ago um, from the merger of two existing groups. And we were thinking hard then about the brand. And, you know, we steered away from the obvious things, which include housing, care and support. And when our clever comms people talk to us about our purpose, which is about making a difference to people's lives, it became obvious that um, to go with Pobble, which is a big brand, actually has quite a lot to live up to in terms of a brand, was exactly the right thing for us. Um, I think you you hinted there, um, Sarah, we're we're a purpose-driven organisation, Our purpose is about great homes, great care, great support, which makes a difference. And um, to have a brand, actually, which is about who we serve, not what we do, feels right for our organisation. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, I think um, so the use of the word pobble, I suspect in that that actually is a clue to at least some of the answer to my first question to you, Amanda, which is a question that we put to all of our guests, which is, why did you become a CEO? I think like, like many people um, who have the privilege of leading organisations, we probably didn't set out to occupy those positions. Um, and I think certainly the, um, the MBA graduate Amanda of over 30 years ago would be a bit shocked um, at what I'm doing now. I think... You know, when I started off um, life, I, I as a as a graduate, my career ambitions were in the finance space. Um, I was a child of the sixties, growing up in the eighties, and I thought I would find myself in the world of investment banking, multinational finance. And I did for a while. I worked for a while for part of Standard Chartered Bank. I worked for a large multinational in the car industry, but couldn't quite connect with wash wipe systems and injection molding. It just didn't really, it wasn't my happy place. And 
I found the Housing Association World by chance. Um, it was a finance director looking for a job and a job looking for a finance director. So I was given the opportunity to join a housing association. And that first day, I, I remember it so clearly because um, I, I, I can't work out why I didn't know about this world of social business before. I really felt on day one that I had found somewhere where I fitted, which fitted my values, but allowed me to use my commercial skills as well. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's hugely rewarding space to be to lead in, in a social business because we've got the, the balance. I, don't, I won't call it attention, I'll call it balance of balancing a very strong social purpose with some of the harder edge aspects of um, commerciality. You know, we've got a, a billion pound balance sheet, as you say, we provide services to over 30,000 people. We're a large business. And the better we are at the commercial stuff, um, the more we can do in the social space. So I found myself in the housing world as an FD, working for a really generous CEO he was fab. He was generous with his networks. He was generous with opportunity. And it became really clear to me the stuff I loved was not in the finance space. I loved the idea of change, of growth, of thinking forward, uh, and particularly of creating a culture which allowed people in the business to thrive. Um, and, and as time went on in that organisation, I was working in Windsor at the time, um, I found I started to bump into him thinking, oh, I probably wouldn't have done it like that. Or, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but I think there's another way. Uh, I think that was the that was the moment for me when I realised, actually, it's probably time now to take that step and to um, have a go at um, being a CEO in my own organisation. And I must admit, um, it was with a mixture of fear and excitement that I made that step. Very, very interesting. And, uh, and of course, we are all very delighted that you did take control at the time that you did. And of course, you know, we are seeing a, a real awakening of the importance of value and purpose, not only in our own lives over the past few years, but of course, um, the the desire actually to attract the very best staff um, and um, uh, through 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 being able to really iterate the purpose values of the organisation, which of course you've done very very successfully in Pobble. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, and so even with a great leadership team that you have, I know that a lot lands on your desk, Amanda, and particularly probably over the last fifteen months, I suspect that you've been very very busy. Um, what would you say, um, what part of your day would you say is sacrosanct? What, what is in your most incredibly busy schedule do you preserve at all costs? Oh, wow, this, this, this is quite a tough question because I, I try to be as flexible as I can. Um, but there, are some th there are things that are really important to me, Sarah, and I, I take great responsibility for my own well-being because I know that... Um, to be the best I can be for Pobble, I need to make sure that I look after myself. 
Um, the way I do that, I love to exercise. So I was out this morning, get my 10,000 steps in. And in fact, last night I was with, <laughs> yeah, I was with my crazy mates in the rain in the park across the road doing our weekly boot camp. So exercise is um, important to me in terms of helping me kind of stay sane and that mental well-being piece. Um, and particularly working from home. Um, there is a risk, isn't there, that we're always on. So I want to model the way for my colleagues at Pobble that, you know, I, I think we're all getting over ourselves a little bit, aren't we, with presenteeism, that um, no longer it's not about, you know, being there and always on, it's about outcomes. And just, I say to my team, you know, people... I think people have got more comfortable now with acknowledging we're a 24-7 business. Nobody expects the people to be at their desk nine to five and that people have so many points on the gold card to be able to spend time with their kids and work when it suits them. So we talked a lot about ag agility in Pobble in the past and I, th I think we thought we were agile, but actually we knew nothing about it. Um, okay. I suppose there's a couple more things that are really important to me, if, if you'll indulge me. Um, so in my week, um, the stuff I try to do is to make sure I make time for people. So things I don't like to change in my schedule are the one-to-ones I have with my team. Um, we, we have a one-to-one -one fortnightly. Clearly, our contact is, is more than that. But those sessions are about, you know, not just about task. It's about to talk about what people have on their mind, how I can support my team, how I can support them as individuals, and just making that really good time to connect and to listen to each other. And, you know, I, I have a one-to-one -one fortnightly with the chair, and I take a lot from that. Um, it allows me to reflect, to learn from her, to share so that one-to-one -one space is um, probably as close as sacrosanct as anything is in my diary. And the stuff I'm trying to be better at. Um, I'm, so I'm not, I wouldn't have described myself as a hugely reflective person. Um, I, I haven't spent much time looking in the rear view mirror and that's what I try to do much more of in my week now um, is a bit more space for reflection um, because I think actually it just it helps us understand ourselves a bit better and it's got to be good news, isn't it? The better we understand ourselves, I think, the better we are as leaders, um, probably as just people. <laughs> so that's that's my work in progress, really, just becoming... Um, a bit more reflective. That's really, really helpful. So, um, you know, both the, the physical looking after the physical body of Amanda Davies around the exercise, you know, the giving uh, quality time to people for people to to really be able to share um, how they're feeling through this. Um, and also the kind of self-development reflection time, which I think, you know, which I think to be fair, we've all uh, benefited massively from as a result of the pandemic, rather weirdly, as we've been forced to face perhaps things we haven't faced before. That's incredibly helpful. And I love your reference to points on a gold card, Amanda. I'm going to keep that one. Thank you. 
Um, so let, let's just move on a little bit to the day-to-day -day running of your business. Um, and uh, my question to you around this is, what would you say is more important, a, a great team or a great strategy? If, if the listeners could see me now, I'm, I'm BMIC. This is so easy for me. It's, it's every time it's team. Um, and in saying team, I don't just mean my immediate team, the executive team, um, although they are fabulous. Um, I think the wider Pobble team, and I think the pandemic has really shone a light on how extraordinary this team is. Um, I've certainly seen our business through a new lens. Um, at the start of the pandemic, many of our frontline workers um, experienced something that probably they'd not experienced before, fear, anxiety um, about doing their job. But actually that was matched with courage and selflessness and a deep caring for the people we serve. So the respect I have for the wider Pobble team is huge. Um, we have two words, Sarah, in Pobble that we use to describe this space and it's called shared endeavor. And it starts in the boardroom um, the board, the executives, shoulder to shoulder, leading this business towards our ambitions. Um, and everybody being really clear that um, the value of every single Pobble person in moving us towards that ambitions is, is the same. It is definitely a shared endeavour. So those are two words that have really stood us in good stead, particularly when you find sort of rocks in the road or maybe you've got a bit of rub in the organisation, just reminding yourselves actually that the ultimate goal is a shared one and um, making sure that we never forget that it's about the team, um, that, that the pandemic has certainly turned up the the volume on that for us you know uh, you, you've worked with us we're we're an so we took the opportunity during the pandemic to to think about our ambitions because um you know we, we are a business that has lots of of good strategies to lead us on that path but we decided to do something really odd during the pandemic and that was to set our ambitions for a decade we wanted to create a um a vision for our colleagues and customers, which was about more than the here and now. And the here and now has been really difficult, but to paint a picture of what could be in Pobble, and we set some very exciting ambitions for the next decade, uh, you know, and we will, and the strategies to get us there will morph and change. But the thing that won't change is that absolute commitment to the team and shared endeavor. That's what's gonna get us, I think, to our ambitions. Fantastic and, and and so well put, you know, from, um, you know, my memory of that experience working with your team around their ambition and, you know, how highly ambitious they were, clearly what was underpinning that was a very, very strong sense of, uh, to use your terminology, shared endeavour, which I understand, you know, completely forms the bedrock for then very good strategy setting. So, um, so very, very helpful. Thank you. 
Um, uh, and of course, you know, none of us, I guess, uh, get to where we are today without um, without some fabulous people around us. And you have already uh, referred to uh, somebody who you mentioned as being very, very generous in your career. Who, who would you say has most influenced the way that you lead today? It's very tempting to say, you know, I, I've learned so much from so many people, but I am going to, um, I'm going to talk about, briefly talk about three people. And I think uh, I would go to the three chairs that I've had the pleasure to work with in my role as CEO as at Pobble. Um, they've all gifted me something different, really, and I, I, I remain forever grateful to the three of them. Um, the first of those chairs was someone called Bob Hutchins, and he was the man who was brave enough to give this um, inexperienced 39-year-old the opportunity to lead what was at the time Sering Group. And Bob gave me the confidence to make that step um into the ceo role and i suppose the confidence to occupy that space um so i'll be grateful to bob for just being there gently gently coaching and encouraging me to um to find amanda the ceo and my flavor of leadership um, the next chair um, is someone called Jonathan Davis. So Jonathan was a, C, a deputy CEO in an NHS trust. So the great thing about Jonathan was there wasn't much I could say to him that would shock him or knock him off balance because working in the health service, um, which is, you know, quite a pressurised environment, um, he was he was very calm, and I suppose what Jonathan brought for me was um, the confidence to take bigger steps and to have the courage in the organisation to take big steps. And we have we've had a series of mergers over my time in the leadership role, and we've made some very big changes. So. Um, that was, I, I would say that was Jonathan's particular gift. Um, our current chair is a fantastic woman called Wendy Borton. Um, Wendy is a hugely emotionally intelligent individual. And I learned so much yeah. from Wendy about that space of working with people. Um, and she's, she's an incredible listener. So Wendy's gift um to me is she challenges me she makes me think differently about myself and the way i see things um i think what you know what they've all shared is is trust trust in me trust in my judgment trust in my team um to lead this organization to lead pobble in a way which reinforces our values so you know i i believe that so some people say don't they being a ceo is a lonely place well I've never really found that. I've always valued having that um, shared endeavour um, relationship with the chair where actually we can be open, we can share the stuff that we're excited and proud of and also share the stuff we're worried about and want to 
um, I suppose, make an impact on together. So those are the people. Um, there is something I suppose I would like to share with listeners, um, which almost characterises the way I lead. And it's a very short poem from Dona McCover. And back in Newport, it's pinned to my office wall. So I'm not necessarily someone who seeks out poetry for um, to illustrate a point, but it's very short and it's a poem called I Will Not Die an Unlived Life. And if any of my colleagues are listening, they will know how many times I've read this out at various occasions because um, I would encourage people just to take a look at it, just take a minute, read it. And it's from a book called Reclaiming Purpose and Passion. And I guess, you know, um, that really resonates uh, with us, doesn't it, as we try to exit this pandemic. And the last line of this poem is, um, it's about choice. And she says she chooses to live so that which comes to me as seed goes on as blossom. And that which comes to me as blossom goes on as fruit. And I think that's what being a CEO is all about. It's about creating the space, the culture, the environment, the trust to allow those seeds to, to blossom, to allow people to grow and thrive, to let ideas flow, to try things, to succeed at things, to fail at things. I think that's our job really. It's to, it's to nurture and to create that fruit in the organisation. So incredibly beautifully put, Amanda. Um, thank, thank you for sharing that with us. And I and I love the the reference to the fact that actually the three people that influenced you most were people who actually enabled you to become who you were going to be as a CEO by placing, um, by supporting, um, giving you courage, challenging you, but fundamentally trusting you. Um, uh, so you know uh, we often come back to trust. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, and of course, you talk about, you know, good times and, and bad. And of course, um, the current environment has been very, very challenging uh, for everyone. But of course, um, you know, uh, frontline facing as Cobble is must have been particularly challenging. Um, my question to you would be, what was the what is the biggest challenge that you see in your environment right now? I think the the biggest challenge for us will be to hold on to the, I suppose the gifts, the pandemic, that might sound really weird, but the gifts that the pandemic has given us. Our business is refocused. Um, I would have said before the pandemic, we were a people-focused business and were tuned into our customers, but wow, have we had to double down on that. I think the thing that has changed dramatically is a recognition that the most important thing for us is well-being and making sure that we never forget the responsibility of Pobble to do all we can to support the well-being of our people. You know, I described to you some of the fear and anxiety colleagues in the front line were feeling. And I'm, I'm really proud of our response. You know, we've done things that I couldn't have imagined us doing 18 months ago. So 
we now have a well-being team, um, a small team of coaches who are there to support colleagues with anything, to signpost them, because some people have experienced some quite serious crises during the pandemic, um, to be a listening ear, to, um, to deal with the stuff that probably is best dealt with out of the management line. Um, so I can, that is a real gift to our business and the value of that coaching outside of the line to help people um, be able to do their jobs to the best of their ability has been awesome. And we, we have probably, I think it's about 2,500 colleagues working in Pobble and being really aware of the knee issues. Um, like many organisations, we'll have surveyed colleagues to take the temperature of the business. Uh, but what I loved about the approach we took was that um, the platform we used allowed us to connect anonymously with anybody who may have answered a question, you know, um, about their own anxiety levels. If someone had scored themselves as five, high anxiety, and my colleagues in our wellbeing team could just check in with them anonymously saying, look, I don't know who you are. I can see you've scored highly. Um, do you want to talk about it? Is there anything I can do? So that human approach, that individualization, dealing with the me issues, that's a gift that we have to hold on to. Um, and we've, we've used the word quite a lot, Sarah, in, our, in, in this session, which is trust. Um, and we measure we measure trust. We, it's, it's almost one of the things we judge our performance by in terms of our customers. Um, it's a key outcome for us. And that's both colleague trust, customer trust, and the trust of our partners. And what's happened during the pandemic is our customer trust in particular has increased by some five percentage points. So the things we've been doing in communities to connect with individuals, understand their circumstances, to help and signpost where we can, has really made that huge difference in terms of the relationship we have with our customers. So the challenge as things normalise, whatever normal is, is that we hold on to that really good stuff. Beautifully put, thank you. Um, uh, so uh, human aspect, um, the individualization, and and really holding on to some of the, the gifts, you use the word gifts, which is beautifully put, uh, that the pandemic has given us. Um, uh, brilliant advice, brilliant advice. Um, so I suspect there are a lot of aspiring CEOs listening to this podcast who are wondering what your top three tips would be for any aspiring CEO, Amanda, perhaps you'd briefly like to share those with us, please. Well, I'm going to be cheeky now. I'm going to have a pitch. Um, so to all those aspiring CEOs listening or those CEOs that are perhaps want to reset, let's say, um, forget what you think you know about our sector, about the world of housing, care, support or social businesses, put it to one side and then just find out a bit more because um, I commend it to you. It's such a rewarding space to lead and 
if you're someone that's inspired by using your skills and your passion to make a real difference, then why not take a look at um, the world of social business? I, you know, I, I suppose perhaps a more specific piece of advice, which I suppose all I can do is look at my own journey and my own learnings, um, is to embrace the power of trust. Um, I think it took me a bit longer to realise it in my career, but it really is, it really is the magic that will enable people and the organisation to achieve more than you realise, more than you think is possible. So that would be my my advice. That is a very, very useful advice indeed. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you very much, Amanda. And thank you uh, so much for your time today and sharing uh, your gifts, actually, uh, to the uh, listeners today. Um, I wish Pablo all the very best of luck for the rest of the year. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you. From injection moulding and high finance to frontline impact, to the thing that goes core to most people's hearts, their homes. If anyone ever thought a CEO career path was uninspiring, they may want to think again. We heard how Amanda protects time to ensure she stays really close to her team. A timely reminder in these days of back-to-back Zoom calls. We also heard Amanda's unequivocal response to putting her team and their strong sense of shared endeavour first in order to build great strategies and set challenging and really inspiring ambitions for the business. And lastly, a timely reminder that despite some of the horrors of the past 15 months, the pandemic has also brought us gifts in terms of self-learning and a real acceleration of doubling down on individual needs of people and indeed of our customers. Amanda put a challenge out to all of us to consider investing part of our careers, at least, in the social sector as a means of enriching our experience of sustaining commercial viability while serving a very deep social purpose. I have no doubt that there will be people listening who will be inspired to do precisely that. Thanks again to Amanda for her highly thought-provoking input and to you all for joining. If you've enjoyed this podcast and haven't yet subscribed to Meet the CEO, please do so. And if you have, please do give us a rating. We look forward to welcoming you to the next episode of Meet the CEO.